You're listening to an Economy Matters podcast produced by the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. The Federal Open Market Committee concluded a two-day meeting earlier today. The pace of job today. growth has been strong. Downside risks to the outlook for the, the number economy. of Fed officials. The shadow banking system is large. We've come a long way since the darkest day of the financial crisis. Welcome to another Economy Matters podcast. I'm Tom Heinges, managing editor of the Atlanta Fed's Economy Matters magazine. And today we're joined by John Robertson, a senior policy advisor at the Atlanta Fed. John, thanks for joining us today. G'day, Tom. John is one of the Atlanta Fed folks behind the creation of our wage growth tracker, which does precisely what the name implies. It tracks wages, something that is a very closely watched metric. So I thought it would be illuminating to discuss wage growth tracker and some of the data it's been giving off lately. So, John, let me start off by asking, uh, there are several tools that observe wage trends. Uh, what sets the Wage Growth Tracker apart? It's a good question, Tom. The, the Wage Growth Tracker differs because it looks at the change in wages of individuals as opposed to changes in the kind of an aggregate measure of the overall wage bill. Well, you you mentioned what goes into it. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the inputs that go into the tracker? Yeah, so the underlying data that's used in the wage growth tracker comes from the current population survey. It's the same survey where we get the statistics like the unemployment rate or the labor force participation rate. Right. Periodically, they, they ask questions about wages and including the earnings per hour that individuals make. And so we are able to take that data and then match it with what the same individual said a year earlier, and then look at the whole distribution of wage changes for those individuals. Well, that's a very granular look then. It is, and then to aggregate it up, what we look at is the median person. So the median change in wages from one year to the next, and, we, and that's basically what the wage growth tracker is. Right, so you've talked about what it shows us. Uh, what doesn't it show us? Well, because it's measuring the changes in wages of individuals, then it's basically controlling for shifts in the composition of the workforce. However, the aggregate wage bill for a firm or for the whole economy is affected by shifts in the composition of who's working over time. And so, uh, for example, um, during the last recession, we know that average wages, that is the average of the aggregate wage bill, did not grow very rapidly. And then when the unemployment started to come down, it still didn't grow very rapidly. Hmm. And that was a puzzle. Right. And that's really where the wage growth tracker's origin is, is in trying to solve that puzzle. Because we thought what might be going on there is that the composition of the workforce might be changing that's putting downward pressure on the average wage bill, even if individuals are getting wage increases. Right. I see. Uh, You've talked a lot about individuals today, and um, these individuals in the survey are not identifiable, are they? No, no. Everybody who does is in the survey has an identification number. Right. And we just use that number to match that same individual from one year to the next. And that number is assigned by the BLS? No, that number is assigned by the Census Bureau. Oh, I see. And the, uh, who conducts the survey on behalf of the BLS. Gotcha. Well, let's talk a bit about what we've actually been seeing in regards to wages, John. Um, lately, we've seen evidence of wages increasing. Uh, and what's behind that increase after such a long period of what's been relative wage stagnation? 
Well, the unique feature of the wage growth tracker that is that it's tracking individual wages means that it's much cl- more closely aligned with the overall slack or tightness of the labor market than the average wage bill because the average wage bill is affected by hiring new workers who might be coming in at a lower wage. Right. And so that puts downward pressure on the average wage bill. And then, for example, more retirees leaving the workforce who probably had a higher wage, and that also put downward pressure on the wage bill. Whereas what we see with the wage growth tracker is that it correlates very nicely with movements in the unemployment rate. So how does this period, uh, say from the last few years until now, Compared to historical trends in wages, especially as we've been emerging from a pretty severe recession. Yeah, so we saw the wage growth tracker uh, slow a lot in the wake of the recession, just as the unemployment rate went up a lot. And as the unemployment rate has been coming down over more recent years, the wage growth tracker has been generally moving higher as well. Something that, that we're only now starting to see in these other measures of average wages. And that touches on that correlation that you just mentioned. Exactly. And what we also saw is some interesting distinctions that happen between types of workers. So the median wage growth for all workers slowed uh, during the recession, but especially for people who are working part-time. Now, don't get ahead of me. I want to get to types of workers in a minute. So hold that thought. Uh, But what, if anything, uh, makes this period insofar as wages different from other periods, especially, you know, as we've come out of recessions in the past? Well, the median wage growth, that is the wage growth tracker, is not as high as it was before the recession. So on that measure, it says that there is probably still a little bit of slack left in the labor market. Even with a relatively low unemployment rate? Even with a relatively low unemployment rate, uh, the the rate of people who are working part-time involuntarily Right. Involuntarily, it's still rather high. Right. Uh, so that uh, that rate is quite high. The labor force participation rate, we think some of the decline we've seen in that was also a consequence of the recession. And as that stabilizes, then that suggests that the, la- the labor market's getting tighter, but still quite not quite there yet. Right. Well, we touched on unemployment, and I want to dive a little deeper there. Wage increases coupled with an unemployment rate at or under 5% like we are now, historically has raised some concerns about inflation, but we're not really seeing strong inflation. You know, if anything, the Fed has struggled to meet its 2% annual inflation objective. Why do you think these elements have not combined for a more inflationary environment? Well, that's something that the wage growth tracker doesn't capture directly. Right. Because it's what really matters for if you're thinking of the costs of labor relative to the productivity of labor as a driver of inflation, then what you need to look at is the wage bill. And, and that has not increased as rapidly as the wage growth tracker has. I see. Because the wage growth tracker is looking at people who are, in effect, continuously employed. So it's not affected by the flows in and out of the workforce. Yeah. And that seems to be what keeping the, the total wage bill down. And so you're not getting growth in what economists call unit labor costs at, a, at an alarmingly high rate that would be kind of a, a red flag for uh, inflation pressures. I want to uh, change gears here and uh, you know, play a, a sort of word association game here. I'm going to say some groups to you when you tell me what your observations are about 
that group's wages. So um, are you ready? Far away. All right. Uh, in terms of age, how have pr- what we call prime age workers, those in the, in the prime of their career, how have their wages performed recently? Well, the wage growth tracker pretty much is representative of those workers because remember, it's the median wage growth of all the workers that we have in the, in the data. And most workers are prime age. When, when we say prime age, we should explain how you define sure, that. Sure, prime age. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy economist term. Aren't most. Aren't most. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically trying to capture people who are the most attached to the labor market. So that typically is people it's kind of around between 25 and 55. Right. You kind of see high attachment during those periods. In the earlier years, you have lower attachment because people are, are devoting a lot of their time to being in school right. and not the labor market. And beyond 55, things like retirement start to uh, dominate the activities of people. So right. the prime age is kind of that 25, 55 range. Okay. And how have the wages of prime age workers uh, trended lately? Trending along with the, with the uh, unemployment rate, as the unemployment rate's coming down, you're seeing more growth in their wages. That is the way, you know, the wage growth tracker is kind of capturing that prime age group because it's the median of the distribution of the, all people who are working. And since most people are prime age, then it's kind of capturing the median worker is a prime age worker. Sure. John, talk a bit about the wage growth of, of people who are younger than prime age versus the wage growth of those in the, in the prime age cohort. Well, this is a good example of what the wage growth tracker does and does not capture. Mm-hmm. So in general, the wage growth of younger workers is much higher than of prime age workers because these are people who are relatively new in their careers. They might be switching jobs. Uh, around and moving to higher paying jobs, so they get pretty high median wage growth. Right. Just have to keep in mind that their wage level is probably much lower sure. than the median wage level of other workers. They're just getting more growth because they've got more room to grow. And because we're capturing people who are continuously employed, if you were, say, in college and you work part-time for a while mm-hmm. and then you, then you stop because you, your schedule in college was uh, too hectic to be able to keep a job, then you're not even going to be picked up in the wage growth track. These are people prob- who are kind of pretty attached to the labor market uh, and you see pretty strong growth. And, and, but that's a long-term trend. You see higher median wage growth for, for younger workers than than older workers. Right. Uh, you mentioned part-time, and I want to I want to touch on that again. What does the wage growth tracker tell us about full-time versus part-time employees? Well, I think this cut is, is particularly interesting because it correlates well with the difference between what the, the kind of headline unemployment rate measure that we look at and, the, and a broader measure that includes people who are working part-time but really want to work full-time. And that rate went up much more than the headline unemployment rate. And, and so uh, the headline unemployment rate the, is called the U3 statistic, mm-hmm. and the U6 statistic is the right. one that includes these, these part-time workers. Right. Uh, you know, lots of people like to work part-time, but many people during hard economic times want to work a full-time schedule but can only find part-time jobs. Right. And so it's kind of a broader measure of slack in the labor market. Well, if you looked at the wage growth tracker, you saw exactly the same pattern emerge. 
during the recession, the wage growth of people who worked full-time slowed a lot. Mm -hmm. But the wage growth for people who are working part-time slowed by even more. And so there's always a gap, right? It tends to be the case that people who are working full-time have a higher median wage growth than people who are working part-time. But that gap got really big during the recession, and it's only now closing kind of in the same way as that gap between the U3 unemployment rate and the U6, the broader U6 measure has uh, has narrowed in right. recent years. Um, the last groups I want to ask you about are, are what you call job stayers and job switchers. And I guess that refers to the frequency of changing employers. Yeah. So if, if you think about people who stay in the same job versus people who have changed jobs, The people who change jobs are either changing jobs voluntarily because they see a better opportunity somewhere else, Mm -hmm. uh, or involuntarily, they might have lost the job they have, but they've found another job. Right. Okay. And what you see is a gap between the wage growth of people who switch jobs and people who stay in the same job. And the pattern is like this. In good times, job switches have higher median wage growth than job stayers because you're switching jobs because you see an opportunity to take another job at a higher wage and that boosts your wage growth. Right. Uh, during bad economic t- times, however, like during recessions, you see the reverse, that the wage growth of job switches is actually lower than the wage growth of job stayers because more of that job switching is involuntary. That is, people out of desperation of taking a job, even if it might actually be at a lower wage right, than the one right, they had. Right, that makes sense. I wanted to ask you about wage growth and how, how it uh, usually translates into increased consumer spending, which, of course, is a huge driver of, of gross domestic product in the U.S. Are we seeing the sort of consumer spending you'd expect to see with, with current levels of wage growth? This is a, another example of what the wage growth tracker is useful for and what it's not so useful for. In the case of uh, consumer spending, you know that what matters is primarily, do I have a job? Yeah, sure. Right? And then if I have a job, what kind of wage gains am I, am I getting? And the wage growth tracker is, is kind of picking up a piece of that wage growth part of the story, but not about the, the employment part. So that's uh, why most people who try to relate consumption to in, to income kind of look at aggregate measures of, of income. Uh, as it opposed gives you to a the, better read on the data? Well, it gives, it's kind of, it captures both the wage piece and the employment piece. Right. But certainly the, you know, the, the growth that we see in the wage growth tracker is consistent with reasonably robust consumer spending. Well, John, uh, this has been a really great conversation and, and very enlightening for me. And, and I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, thanks, Tom. It was fun. And I want to encourage anyone listening to this podcast to visit the Atlanta Fed's Wage Growth Tracker, which is behind, obviously, a great deal of what we've talked about today. And John also writes a good deal about his findings in the Wage Growth Tracker on uh, the Atlanta Fed's macro blog. So I encourage you to look at macro blog regularly to see John's wage growth tracker updates. Uh, And it'll give you a fuller idea of what we've talked about today. And that brings us to the end of another Economy Matters podcast episode. I appreciate your spending the time with us, and I hope you'll join us again next month when we'll be joined by two Atlanta Fed economists who will discuss the market for long-term care insurance in the United States, 
some of the issues surrounding that market and why it's so complex. So come back next month and thanks for listening. This has been a production of the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. For more podcasts on this topic and others, please visit the Atlanta Fed's website at frbatlanta.org.